Let's stand together. Let's open our Bibles to Ruth uh, chapter 1. We've been in this series talking about uh, champions and heroes, and I, I want to tell you the story today a little bit about one of the, the great women of God in the Bible. And so let's look in, in, in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Father, we thank you for your word today that gives us such great revelation in how you work with us. You show us uh, all the things that's happened in others' lives, the good, the bad, the tough, the easy, to help us see how you work with our lives. So today, Father, I pray for those who come from backgrounds where they have been, been wounded, those who maybe come from backgrounds where they feel like uh, there's a generational curse upon their life and they're trying to break that, that today, Father, we would find new freedom in you, new freedom to move into being fully yours and new joy in your purpose. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Champions, role models, and flawed heroes. We've been taking, a, for the last several months, we've been preparing this and getting ready for it. And that's why I would really encourage you again to, if you missed last week, to get on and listen to what Dan said. He, a tremendous message last week for us. And we're looking at these stories that sometimes we kind of glide by to, get the, to try to get a little bit more of the purpose of why God put them there. And, and frankly, with some of these stories, there's just way too much. I mean, some of them we're able to cover it all pretty completely. Some of them, there's just way too much to cover it all. Today, we're talking about the story of Ruth. And the story of Ruth is, again, one of those distinctly God stories in the Bible, where, where you see God not just giving us the best side of the story, but showing us all the details of it, the good, the bad, the ugly. This book was written in the time of David or just after David's time, and, and frankly, it, it would not have been a, the, the, the story of, of Ruth's life would not have been a politically helpful one to David. She was a, a Moabite, and the story reveals that she is in the lineage uh, of David. It is a story of, that shows the love and the grace of God to all mankind, and that, that's a story that God wants to reveal to you today and to me today, is that no matter what your background is, no matter where you come from, no matter what your past has been, that he loves you and he has a divine plan for you. Ruth was from the tribe of Moab. Moab is, is traced back to Lot. Lot is the nephew, if you remember the story in Genesis. He's the nephew... Of, of Abraham. And Lot becomes the father of the Ammonites and the Moabites. He had separated, he had become a very wealthy man under the leadership of Abraham. 
And, as, and they came to a point where their herds and their, their flocks, everything was so huge that, they, that it was causing problems getting enough food and water for them. And they decided to separate. Abraham decided, we need to go our different ways. You have enough, I have enough, and you choose which way you go, and I will go the other way. And Lot took a, a, a good hard look at the easiest way to go, the simplest way to go, and what looked like the blessed way to go. And he said, all right, if you're giving me that choice, I'll choose the better path, and you can have the tougher path. What he didn't realize is that he was walking right down into Sodom and Gomorrah, and he was walking right down into a place that was so evil and so wicked and had done so many terrible things and was so corrupt that God was about to bring judgment on it. And he's only rescued from that judgment because of Abraham's prayer and pleading with the angels just before the judgment happens. Now, he's been very wealthy, but by this time, by the time uh, after this happens, He's now living in a cave with his daughters. And so shortly afterwards, his daughters, and this is one of the troubling, ugly stories of the Bible. He's he's now lost everything. His wife's gone. He's living up in a cave away from everybody else, destitute. And his daughters look at him and say, uh, wow, we don't have any guys around here. Uh, we're not going to have any men in our life. He's going to die someday and we're going to be left alone. What's going to happen to us? We need to have some children. And they get in their mind to get him drunk and to have a sexual relationship with him and to have children with him. It's from these two children that the tribe of Moab and the Ammonites, it's where they come from. This is the history of the family. Centuries later, when the children of Israel come out of Egypt, they have to pass by uh, Ammon and, and Moab, and they ask for safe passage. They ask for trading rights with them. They ask to be able to exchange things and buy things with them. And they're denied by both of these tribes who are, you know, relation to them. They're denied. They're told no, told they can't pass that way, threatened with war. In fact, the Moabites hire a guy named Balaam. If you remember the story, you can read it in, in, in Genesis. They hire this guy named Balaam to look out over the tribes, over Israel, and to curse them. But every time he tries to do it, God turns the cursing into a blessing. You know, the enemy can't curse you. The enemy can't do... God's going to protect you. And he's trying to curse them. But eventually, Balaam understands who God is enough that he knows that if they sin, if they do something that's wrong, if they begin to worship the gods of Moab, that they will be judged by God and he lays a snare for them, teaches Moab, Moab, the tribe of Moab, how to seduce the men of Israel and brings judgment upon them. And there's a, a time of real trouble. 
Because of this, because of the way they treated Israel coming out of Egypt, the, the, the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy that, they, that when God is establishing worship, he tells, uh, he tells Moses, up to ten generations they can't enter into the worship, into the worship service, into the place of worship that God establishes for them. Now that's, that's, that's a severe thing, that they can't, even, they can't even come into the assembly. The Egyptians, they could come in after three generations, but not the Moabites. Now this is a pretty simplified story of what was going on during that time. On top of it, they worshipped Chemosh. Chemosh was a, a god of war in their mind. He was a god that helped deliver them in times of trouble. And part of the worship was the sacrifice of their children on altars of fire. They would, in time when an enemy would come in or they saw they were going to be at war, they would choose little ones and take them out and kill them in, in altars of fire to the god of Chemosh to protect the tribe from the enemy that was about to sweep in. Something that the Bible tells us that God said never entered his mind that it should ever be done. So this is the, the tribe of Moab. This is the, the setting that they were in. Now Ruth is of that tribe and she's now living in the time of the judges. The time of the judges we've been is a time when the tribes have come out of Egypt. It's been th the 40 years in the wilderness have, has, have ended. They've now come into the land of, of Canaan and they've established themselves. Joshua's life has now come to an end. The, the, the people who he raised around him, that generation has come to an end. And they are now a very loose confederation of tribes with no central government and with no leader, no way for a leader to emerge and to lead these tribes even in times of, of trial and times of, 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 of war coming against them. And so what would happen is, is when they would move away from God and judgment would come upon them, God would raise up judges to deliver them. This is what Dan talked about last week with Gideon. Gideon was one of those judges. Some of those judges would rule over all of the, all the tribes of Israel and some over just certain tribes. But we find ourselves at the end of the book of Judges where it wraps up with this statement that about there being no king, no leader, no, no spiritual leader. And basically it says this, everyone did as he saw fit. Which is the very definition that we take as sin. Everybody doing as they see fit. Doing what seems right to them instead of doing what is right before God which is something we always have to be, are we doing what's right before God? Are we doing what we think is right in the moment? So it's at this time, while the judges are, are, are happening, that Elimelech and Naomi are living in the Bethlehem area of Judah. And famine hits the land. Usually famine hit the land because of some judgment of sin, but famine, whatever the cause, has hit the land, and they decide that it is not good for them to stay. They can't survive uh, in Judah. So they take their two sons and they move to Moab. 
They go there. It's a short ways away, and they, they move there for the sake of their lives. But it's while they are there that uh, Elimelech dies. Not only does he die, but the boys who are now adults have married, and now both of the boys die. So Naomi is left with just her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpha, and some period of time goes by, and after that period of time, Naomi hears that things have gotten better in Judah, better back in her homeland. And she decides she's going to go back to her own people. Orpha and Ruth start on this journey with her, but shortly into the journey on the trip, Naomi realizes that she has nothing to offer them. See, women in that culture in that time, were pretty helpless. They, they didn't have ownership rights. They didn't have business rights. They, they had, they had a, it was a pretty tough road for women uh, during that time. Women really needed uh, a man in their life for them to have any kind of sustenance and any kind of, of life at all, or it could be a very, very ugly time uh, for the women. They were under that rule. So they, they needed a, a, and as they got older, women needed a son to care for them and, and, and for the family, especially in their old age, or they would just simply be poverty-stricken. Well, Naomi realizes that she doesn't have much hope at her age of finding a man for herself, and she looks at these two Moabite daughters-in-law and realizes that she probably is not going to be able to find uh, husbands for them back in Judah. Naomi has pretty much concluded that the Lord's hand has come out in judgment against her. So she tells the girls shortly into their journey, you should go back to your families. I should go alone back and hopefully somebody in my family will take care of me and help me you should go back to Moab, back to your families. And you're young enough, eventually they'll find new husbands for you, and your life can go on without me. I'm under a curse. At first, both of them protest. They both said, no, they want to stay with you. They, they, they like Naomi. But Naomi persists with them. And pushes them. And finally, Orpha turns and Orpha heads back to Moab and she fades from history. But Ruth gives this famous passage that we read today. She says, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more. Also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. This is the first real, clear definition 
other conversion experience you'll ever read in the Bible where she says, I'm no longer a part of that. I want to be a part of this. Have you ever felt in your life like you wanted a big change? That what you were doing and where you were living and the things that were going on in your life were not really bringing blessing, they were bringing curse? Have you felt like and experienced things in life from where you've lived, where your life has been abused and your life has been hurt and where things have been said to you and now your spirit is wounded, your heart is wounded, your emotions are wounded, how you see the world is wounded because of the impact of other people's lives. And there's some sort of a feeling inside of you that by the, because of the way you were taught or the way that you're, you were treated that your life is going the wrong way. There's some lessons we can learn from Ruth. Ruth gives this great statement. Don't tell me to leave you. Now, there's a double message for those of us who want our lives to be marked by God in that statement. Here's the first message. Naomi, the example. Some of us have lived as Christians for a long time. We've lived as followers of Christ for a long time. Maybe you were raised as a follower of Christ. How are you living your life in front of others around you? Naomi had lived such a life in front of Ruth. Her character had been so impactful in good times and in bad times that Ruth was determined to stay with her even if things looked bleak even if she had to walk into uncertainty, her life had been lived in such a way that Ruth said, I don't want to go back there. I want to go with you. Naomi set the stage for hope, even in a hopeless situation. This is the call for us as believers to live our lives before others who may be broken by this world or hurt by this world that know how broken we may feel in the moment that we walk in faith, trusting in God. See, the safe bet for Ruth was to go home, but her love and respect for her mother-in-law drove her to walk into the biggest risk of her life. So here's the challenge. Will you dare to live such a godly example that those around you will follow you in uncertain times? Will you live that example in front of them even when things aren't going well for you? A daughter-in-law, a son-in-law, a co-worker. Will you dare to live such a consistent life in front of them? Will you be so aware of your impact upon their life that they won't want to leave you, but they'll want to follow the way you're living. We are called to live a life with faith in God, even when he seems to be against us. Now here's the second, the second side of that message. Ruth chose to follow. Today, if you've been broken by life, if you've had tough things define your life, if life hasn't been easy, what are you going to do about it? Have you made the determined choice to follow God's path 
Are you still walking in the old path? God puts people in our lives to help us overcome the way we were raised, the way our culture has taught us, the way our marriages have taught us, taught us and impact us the way our relationships are. He puts people into our lives to lead us. Here's a place for us to examine our lives. Have we found anyone worthy that we're determined to follow? See, we have this tendency. We, we cut people out of our lives when things grow, tr- grow tough. We, we have a lack of trust of other people. We want to do it on our own, and, and, and if they have a tough thing going on in their lives, then they must certainly not be worthy uh, to follow. We kind of see, you know, winners and losers. And if somebody's kind of losing in the moment, uh, we don't want to follow. Listen, even in great men and women's lives, there are tough times. Do you, you hear me? Every, I, I don't know anybody who didn't have, doesn't have tough times in their life sometimes. Ruth followed character, not fair weather. She followed the character of the person, not just that things were going easy. Here's a lesson. Many times the tough circumstances are not a sign of failure, but they're for the revelation of our character and for the revelation of the character of those who follow us. And we have to determine, am I following a person of character, or am I just following the good times? What am I doing? Will you hang in with them and still follow when it's tough? Naomi had demonstrated her character and when she told Ruth to go home, when she urged them to turn back to a, to a safer bet, to a, a safer place to go, her character in, in, in Ruth's life was so powerful and so clear that Ruth said, nope, I'm not going to do that. And I would tell you, if you're, if you're going through a time where maybe, maybe the way you were raised was painful, or maybe how your, your father or mother treated you was painful, or maybe how an ex-spouse treated you was painful, or maybe the, the world around you and the culture around you have, have told you things about your life that you're not worthy or you're unworthy, and all that pain is stored up within you. I would challenge you today to recognize that maybe you've been in a place where the past has been cursed, but you can look to a new way. You can determine to follow a new way. Ruth determined, I'm not going back there. I'm going towards there. And she decided she was going to keep following after Naomi. She found someone. God brought somebody into, into her life that would show her a new way. Do you realize the whole basis of the establishing of the kingdom of God on this earth is passed along by discipleship? That's how it moves forward. Jesus starts with 12 guys, and and, and one of them turns out bad. But they begin to take that gospel and spread it. And by the time you see Paul, Paul is 
pouring into individual lives and pouring into church lives and all from generation to generation we've passed the torch from one group of people to the next group of people new believers have come in and older believers are urged to live a life of faith in front of them to pass the torch of faith on to them and the new believer is urged to look towards those who are more mature in faith and to learn from them and to grow from them and we need both of those in our life we need the people who are ahead of us that we're looking to saying what do I do now and we need the people that are that are behind us just coming along that we're urging and encouraging them to move forward in faith this is one of the reasons why we have small groups friends is to put us in that place where we can have both of those things Ruth's future was changed in a moment when she made this decision don't urge me to stop following you. I've seen who you are. So here's the challenge for us who are a little farther down the road, that we live a life worthy of the gospel that others can follow. And here's the challenge for those of us who have people farther down the road than us, to look to the character of their life and say, you know what? I'm keeping my eyes on that because they're farther down the road than me. Here's the second thing we can learn from Ruth. Ruth's commitment was total and complete. It wasn't a halfway commitment. She didn't say, look, I'm going to come and, you know, summer with you and I'll winter back up in Moab and I'm going to hang out with you sometimes. I'm going to hang out back there with them sometimes and I'm going to bring some of this into my life. No, Ruth said this. He said, Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. Think about what she's saying. She said, from this moment forward, I'm one of you. I know where I was born. That's not who I am anymore. I choose your family. This is a call. She says, I I choose, told you. What you guys think, I'm now one of you. I'm now one of you. This is where people, many Christians, people begin to follow, that they make a fatal mistake. They, they want to kind of partially follow instead of totally follow. There's a lot of teaching today about generational curses, and Ruth certainly was from a tribe that was under one. And there's a lot of teaching and a lot of writing today about how to break the curse. But let me tell you, friend, hear this. The moment she said, your people shall be my people and your God my God, the curse was broken. She had a new life. Curse breaking itself may be hard, but let me tell you, the pathway to it is simple. Just choose to follow God. Just choose to live his way. Get all the excuses out of your life. That doesn't sell a lot of books. You can't write a lot about it and put them up on bookstores and sell teaching tapes on it, it, which a lot of people like. It's just a simple thing. From this day forward, I choose to follow God. His way is my way. What he tells me to do, I'm going to do. I'm going to learn what he tells me to do in my life. And the moment she made that decision, the curse was broken. Freedom from the curse is in the following of the truth. Follow the truth. Today, you can choose to follow the truth. Others may have have spoken things into your life 
that are damaging and harmful. God speaks into your life that he loves you so much he sent his son to die for you so you could come into relationship with him. God speaks his life into us. Today you can choose to follow the truth, to obey God and not to be led by your past, to see yourself in his family and to leave that past behind, to leave the wounds behind. That's what Ruth chose to do. The curse is broken in that determination. This book ends with this explanation about who Ruth is and why her story is important. She would become the great-grandmother of the greatest king of Israel, David. And today, when you read the lineage of the king of kings, Jesus, you will find in that lineage a girl born under a curse who discovers the blessing of God. The enemy may point out the pain of your past and try to hold you in place, but he doesn't have the power to hold you there. The way of the past may seem the safer option. It may seem the more comfortable one. It may be seem to be the one that you're used to, but remember, it is the path of the curse. You can look today and say, I am joining a new family. I'm going to follow a new way. Your God shall be my God. She'd had enough of Chemosh. She'd had enough of that demonic rule that put babies on altars, that demonic rule that, that tried to destroy us. She was willing to come under the leadership of Naomi's God. And I want to tell you, that's where the problem is with many. They want to drag some of the old ways into the new way. They want to find the freedom. They want to find freedom to do the old things that they liked while adding the promises of God that they hope to find. They try to morph their new faith with their old faith, with their old way of living. And friend, I want to tell you, that is not the way to find the blessing of God. In fact, the struggle that we come to becomes this one of seeking out the old ways and the old mindsets, the old attitudes, the old responses that were in our lives and expunging them from our actions and putting our faith fully into God's direction for our life. To look to Jesus and say, I'm going to follow you wholly. This is the lesson of Ruth. And she prays that if she doesn't do it, that a curse will come on herself. She's saying, I am never, ever looking back. She says to Naomi, this is a lifelong commitment. Nothing but death will separate us. And if I let something go between, between me and this deal, may God deal with me severely. She didn't know what was ahead. There was no promise of a better life. There was no promise of even food to eat. She was not making this commitment on the basis of winning here. She was making it on the basis of seeing God in Naomi's life. This was, there, was, there has to be, listen, there has to be a determination that this is a complete and final decision no matter what else happens. 
When we come to Christ, the only way we come to him is totally, completely, no looking back. I'm in. This is the way I'm going to go. I'm going to do it your way. I'm in your kingdom now. I'm going to live by the truth. I'm going to live by your law. I'm going to live by your direction. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to put my faith in you. She was saying, I am all in. She looked and saw something in Naomi that she loved. She saw something in her that she said, this is the right way. She would have to leave certainty behind and walk into uncertainty. She would have to leave the familiar behind and walk into the unknown. And if you want freedom, you're going to have to do that too. You're going to have to say, the past is done. Orpha fades in history, but Ruth springs into greatness. To be free from the curse, you may not be able to go the places you used to go. If you want freedom from the curse, your friends may have to change. If you want freedom from the curse, the, the, your beliefs will have to be transformed. If you want freedom from the curse, what you're comfortable with will have to be pitched out thrown away and done away with. And you, if you want freedom from the curse, you will have to be determined. I'm making a commitment for a lifetime, come what may. In the years before, that groundwork had been laid by Naomi's life in front of Ruth. But the day came when a choice had to be made. Just like a day comes in every one of our lives when a choice has to be made. And God looks at us and says, listen, if you're going to follow me, I'm not telling you what's ahead. But you've got to determine that you're going to follow me. Now, you can go back. You can go back if you want to. But in every one of our life, there comes this this. this key moment where we make a determination. Is Jesus my Lord? Is he the one that I trust? Or is it my culture? Is it my upbringing? Is it some other thing in my life that's determined how I see and how I view life? And when Ruth got to that moment, the groundwork had been laid. She'd seen the life of Ruth, and she says, don't urge me to go back. I'm not going back. It, it, you know, far, may God curse me and deal with me severely if I go back. I am going forward. That's the determination that has to be made in all of our life if we're going to get the message of hope. Now listen, in Ruth's lifetime, in her lifetime, her entire lifetime, friend, it, she would have never thought, it would have never crossed her mind, you know what, I'm such a good person. I've made such a righteous decision. I've been so faithful to God that one of these days, God's going to put my name on one of his books of revelation to mankind. She had never seen that. She never, she never saw that coming when she was alive. She just did what she was supposed to. Who would have guessed in her lifetime that the woman of a cursed people would become the great-grandmother of the greatest king of Israel? Who would have guessed in her lifetime 
that when the Messiah that had been promised from the beginning of time that they were looking for, that when that Messiah was born, she would be in the lineage of that Messiah, the hope of the world. Here's the good news, friend. The good news is that no matter where you come from, God deals with you right where you are. He gives you a choice right where you are. Your past doesn't determine your future. He, what you do with him determines your future. Your future may look bleak in the eyes of the world, but when you turn your life to God, he has a purpose for it. You may not see the full reach of it in your lifetime. You may have to witness it from heaven, but friend, he'll set you on a course that will make a difference for others' eternities. Sometimes we don't see the full fruit of that in our life, of our choices on this earth. And even today, Ruth would not be named among the great pantheons of human history. But in the telling of his story, of Jesus' story, she is a woman of greatness. She is a woman of faithfulness. Her story speaks to all of us. No matter where you start, no matter what the circumstances are right now, you can become something you never dreamed of. Your life is marked by God for impact. And you have a choice. You can be an Orpha or you can be a Ruth. Which path do you choose? If you choose to wallow in the past curse and feel hopeless, you will be just that. But if you choose to say today, I'm joining the family of God and Jesus will be my God, Come what may, I'm going to follow him. My heels are dug in. My eyes are set. I know that no matter what happens on this earth, his way is the right way. Friend, then there is new life for you. What curse, what abuse, what pain has controlled your life and the way that you have seen the world? Friends, I'm telling you, whatever it is, it's time to come to Jesus and turn that and leave it behind. I was talking with a friend this week. He told me that before he was a Christian, he was raised in a home that didn't, didn't go to church, didn't know the things of God. He told me, Sheriff, he said, you know, I was, you know, years ago I was a drinker and I was you know, a drug, drug user. And a friend led me to Christ. He said, people ask me from time to time if I took a 12-step program. He, tells, he said, I tell them I took a one-step program. I stepped up and followed Jesus, and I've never looked back. What a great testimony, huh? Don't want to knock any of the programs that somebody may need to use, but listen, here's the key step. In any program, you've you got to determine, are you going to follow Jesus, or aren't you? If it takes you 12 steps to get there, so be it. But eventually, if you're, going to be, if you're going to break free from the curses of this world, it comes in one place. My mind is not going to be made up. My ideas are not going to be made up. The way I see myself or the way I see the world is not going to be made up by the way an ex-husband or an ex-wife treated me. It's not going to be made up by the way kids treated me when I was in school. It's not going to be determined by the way my mom and dad lived their life in front of me. It's going to be determined by one thing. I'm going to follow after 
Jesus with all of my life. If he says I'm somebody, then I know I'm somebody. If he says there's a purpose for my life, then there is a purpose for my life. If he says I should treat people with love, I'm going to treat people with love. If he tells me to be patient, to be long-suffering, then I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to pick up all the junk of the world. I'm going to follow after Jesus. I'm going to be one of his family. I'm going to follow after after him. Come what may, I am determined to follow. Follow Jesus. And then when you give your life to Jesus, friend, when you make that decision, you've got to determine, I am never looking back to Moab. I'm never looking back there for an answer. I'm never looking back there for a way to walk. You've started. Maybe you started on it, but you still got a foot back in Moab. You still have traces of that way in your life. I'm telling you, it's time to let go and say, I'm not of that tribe anymore. I'm not of that family anymore. I'm a follower of Christ. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, we celebrate the story of Ruth today. Of a young woman, peasant woman, who saw an example in Naomi and chose to follow a different path. Father, all the trappings of the curse around her life, who chose a new way. And because of it, Father, you put her, made her a part of your story to mankind. Today, Father, we, we, wanna, we just want to pray for healing. There are Christians here today, Father. You know them. You know who they are. They, they, they've they're following you, but Father, the trappings, the, the, the chains, the, the pain of their life in the past and what's happened to them, maybe their decisions, maybe others' decisions, still way up on their mind, and they just need to determine today, I'm not a part of that family anymore. And there are some here today, Father, that they haven't chosen to follow wholeheartedly after you yet. They've not surrendered their life to Jesus. They've been looking, and they've seen enough. They know it's time to make a declaration to follow your son. Today, we want them to meet with you. We want this to be a moment of transition where they say, no more looking back. No more being controlled by that past. No more being ruled by those things. I'm now a part of the family of God. I'm now a part of the plan of Jesus for my life, come what may. I pray you do that right now in this moment in Jesus' name. Dan's going to sing a song. And today, maybe you're that Christian we just prayed about, and, and yet you, you, you're, still, you're still being ruled by some of the things in the past. Your attitudes and things that you learned in the old way are still in your life. And feelings about yourself are still in your life. Feelings about the future and fears and worries are still in your life. And today, you just want to say, you know what? Today, I want to be done with Moab. I want to be done with that tribe. Today, I'm determined I'm going to believe what God says about me. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. I'm going to follow after Him. Today, I'm making that determination. In these next few minutes, as we sing this song, I want to urge you just to step out as a, just a sign to say, I'm walking towards the, 
I'm walking towards Judah now. I'm not walking towards Moab any longer. And today, if you've never made a determination to follow after Jesus, if you've never surrendered your life to him, while others are coming down for that, today, will you say, you know what? You're going to be my God now. I'm going to follow you now. I've heard enough. I've seen enough. I felt you tug on my heart enough. I'm going to come and stand around this altar and say I'm yours. Right now, as we sing this song, if that's you, if either one of those appeals calls to you, step out and come. Stand right here today. Three months ago, uh, I was away on a study trip preparing for this, this series and working on this series. And I'd spent a day studying the life of Ruth and had written a lot of notes down. And then that day I went out and there's a walk I take on this, this particular place and I'd gone on that walk and was just kind of letting these things kind of mull over in my mind. And this idea of freedom. Freedom. That the determination of this freedom from Moab comes in a determination. I won't go back. Don't urge me to go back. And this, this thought, this overwhelming thought, I found myself literally walking down this hill, weeping at the fact that God wants to set people free. He wants to set us free from some of this stuff of our past. But there comes a moment when we have to make the determination. And, and I know maybe you're sitting there and maybe you're thinking, uh, I, can, I can just do that from here. And I'm telling you, not today. Not today you can't. Today's a, ter- a, ter- a determining day. Will I put my flesh under the control of the Spirit of God? Will I put my pride under the control of the Spirit of God? Will I put all this stuff that maybe nobody else in the room knows? Will I, will I now for, for, say, forget all that. I'm going to come and let God set me free. And not, maybe that's hard for you, but I, I'm, I'm convinced in my life there's some people in this room right now that God wants to set you free. And I, because this is an important moment for your life. But you've got to step out and come down right now in Jesus' name. Right now. Yeah, praise God. Others, come right now in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask uh, somebody from the prayer teams to come stand with everybody down here right now. Step on out and come. Prayer team members, uh, elders, come. And while you're down here, here's what we're going to pray. The, the, the prayer team, they're going to pray with you in just a minute. And if, if need be, they may you, you may want to go with them back to the prayer room and pray for a few minutes. But we're going to pray that this is an eternity-changing moment, that in the annals of history, in the annals of eternal history, that in your life, this becomes a new day of freedom, a new day of joy, a new day of His purpose. Amen? Just join hands with somebody right next to you, and then the prayer team members will take over and pray. Father, you see the ones who've come to this altar and the reasons they've come. Only you know the reasons, the fullness of it. And Lord, we just pray. We just stand here right now. We just pray that new freedom would be theirs. That you would break whatever the enemies tried to put upon them. That those chains are broken. That they'll see themselves in a new way. They'll understand who they are in you in a new way. That the lie of the enemy will be silenced in their ear. And the promise of who you say they are, what you say they are, will be alive in them every day of their life. 
be upon them. Father, free them. Let this be a day of determination that they're going to follow your pathway every day, no matter what comes their way. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. Now, prayer teams, just pray with these folks for a moment and let the Lord lead you there in prayer with them. And let's sing this song, and in just a moment, Dan will dismiss everybody. Be sensitive to those around the altar today. God bless you. Thanks for worshiping with us. Please, as you leave, be sensitive to those praying around the altar. Grace and peace.